Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, bearing the wrath of God for our sin, paying the price, suffering the physical anguish that he suffered on the cross, he was thinking about someone else. John, uh, in John's gospel, shares with us that he looks over to the beloved disciple John and says, Behold your mother, and woman, behold your son. He was looking after the needs of his mother while he was hanging there on the cross, thinking of others. Jesus sets a great example for us. We need to be thinking about others. And sometimes we, in the troubles and trials of our lives, we can lose perspective. And uh, we can begin to be self-focused and uh, even introspective. And we can begin to forget about the call to love God first and to love others second. Paul is sharing here in these chapters of Scripture about some issues that had come up in the church. And he says, look, knowledge is good. He told Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But here he says, knowledge puffs up. In other words, knowledge without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to give a person a heart of love just makes a person proud. But love builds up. I'm convinced that as Christians we need to live our lives to build up other people in their walk with God. And to be concerned about the needs of those who are lost around us. Uh, So Paul talks about this. They had an issue. They were eating uh, meat sacrificed to idols. And some of them said, well, we know that idols aren't anything. They're, they're just, it's just a piece of wood or a piece of stone or whatever it is. Uh, there's only one God, and his name is Yahweh. And so if we eat this meat that we buy in the marketplace, it doesn't matter one way or the other, it's just a piece of meat. However, others in the body were saying, look, uh, we came from this idolatrous background for us to eat this meat as worship. We can't worship a false god. And so they were struggling with this. And those who were saying, look, we know that there's only one God. And so this doesn't matter. They were tempting others who were new believers who had come from this idolatrous lifestyle to participate in the same thing they were participating in. And it was sinful for them to do so because they were opening these brothers and sisters in Christ to a temptation to sin that they would not otherwise have had. Uh, Then, uh, when you get over to chapter 9, Paul says, look, don't I have a right to eat and drink? Don't I have the right to be married? What have I done with these rights? I've set them aside for the sake of ministering the gospel to you free of charge. He says, I want you to know something. He says, I, I, yes, I have received money from churches, but I'm not receiving it from you. Why? Because I know it could be a hindrance to the gospel. And so he, he talks about the fact, whether it's a, a, a Jewish person I'm dealing with who's under the law, whether it's a Gentile, it doesn't matter who the person is. I'm all things to all men so that I can win some. In other words, not that he's compromising in, in his morality, his obedience to Christ or anything, 
But he's saying, look, I am identifying with people around me so that I can reach them for Jesus. I'm identifying with my brothers and sisters in Christ and seeing their need and identifying with them and what they need and adjusting my life. Why? Because I don't want to run a pointless race. I want to run to win the prize. I don't want to just beat the air with the boxing. I want to, to actually make a difference for the cause of Christ. And so he's, he's talking about focusing on the needs of others, being considerate. That's what it is, thinking about other people. And so you and I need to think about the needs of other people, the weaknesses of other people, and the choices that we make in life so that we can help them to become the people of God that they're called to be. And the title of my message is The Importance of uh, consider, Being Considerate. The Importance of Being Considerate. We're going to begin reading in chapter 8 and verse 1. About food offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge inflates with pride, but love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. It is more important to be known by God than to know facts, isn't it? About eating food offered to idols then, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, all things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, all things are through him, and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this knowledge. In fact, some have been so used to idolatry up until now that when they eat food offered to an idol, their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will, not make us un uh, food will not make us acceptable to God. We are not inferior if we don't eat, and we are not better if we do eat. But be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has this knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? Then the weak person, the brother for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. Now when you sin like this against the brothers and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother to fall. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? In other words, Paul started the church there and won them to Christ. He says, if I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Don't we have a right to eat and drink? Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a Christian wife like the other apostles, the Lord's brothers or Cephas? Or do Barnabas and I alone have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit, or who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? Am I saying this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law also say the same thing? That is the Mosaic law. For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is God really concerned with the oxen? Or isn't he saying this really for us? 
Yes, this is written for us, because he who plows ought to plow in hope, and he who threshes should do so in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material benefits from you? If others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? However, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. But I have used none of these rights. I have not written this to make it happen that way for me. For it would be better for me to die than for anyone to deprive me of my boast. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast. Because an obligation is placed on me. And woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I am entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? To preach the gospel and offer it free of charge and not make full use of my authority in the gospel. Although I am a free man and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like with one without the law, not being without God's law, but within Christ's law, to win those without the law. To the weak I became as weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may become a partner in its benefits. Don't you know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The importance of being considerate. Why is it important to be considerate? It's important, first of all, because temptation can destroy. Temptation can destroy. In verse 9, he says, Be careful this right, verse 9 of chapter 8, Be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. In other words, something that would be put in the way of somebody to cause them to stumble. Uh, to And by the way, let me just say this. We are all responsible for our own decisions, right? God will holds us each responsible for the choices that we make, sinful or no. However, it is true that we can also contribute to somebody being more influenced to sin than they otherwise would be. When we cooperate with the devil's purpose of tempting somebody to sin through the choices that we make, we're sinning against that person. Look at what he says here. Verse 11, Then the weak person, the brother for whom Christ died, is ruined or destroyed by your knowledge. You know what the Bible says? Our adversary the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's about destruction. What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Uh, so, when we 
make choices without thinking of how it affects other people, even if it may not be sinful for us to make that choice, such as eating a piece of meat that I buy in the marketplace that may or may not have been offered to an idol, may not be a sinful thing in and of itself. But if I do not consider someone else and, and they end up sinning as a result of it, I have sinned against them and I've sinned ultimately against God. Uh, we need to be careful. <clears throat> Sometimes in the choices that we make, we can open someone up to a greater temptation. <clears throat> um, parents, you need to be careful about what you watch around your kids. You need to be careful about what you watch around yourself. <laughs> in this world that we live in today, all kinds of filth and garbage out there that is just available wherever you look. But especially, even if it doesn't, even if you have gotten to the point in your spiritual walk where you're not tempted in that way. I, I remember I was, I was talking with a group of men one time at a men's gathering and I was talking about uh, sexual temptation and one of the older men in the room said, uh, well, he said, I, he said, when you get to be my age, it's less of an issue. You know, he, he was kind of past it, you know. But, uh, but what you do, you consider others around you. Why? Because as they see what you're seeing, guess what? They may be tempted when you're not. So consider that. <clears throat> when you are uh, in, in, in your relationships with other people and your interaction with other people and joking sometimes, I like to joke. Sometimes you can take joking too far. <clears throat> I think there have been times I've taken joking too far. Could it be that somebody overhears me joking with somebody and thinks I'm serious and, and misinterprets that? Now, I realize, you know, we, you, can't, you can't avoid that completely. You know, there are people that will misinterpret you. But if there's something I can do, maybe they think, well, boy, the pastor's being unloving toward that person. <clears throat> and I know it's a joke, and maybe that other person knows it's a joke. They probably were just jabbing me about something, you know? But maybe the way I respond causes somebody else to be hurt or, or, or offended. So I need to be considerate about how, what are the things I say. I hear somebody say, I pride myself in speaking my mind. Okay? Maybe you're one of those people. You pride yourself in speaking your mind. You need to be careful about that. Because in speaking your mind, yes, you may have good intentions in that, but you may hurt someone else um, <clears throat> we all have opinions right sometimes those opinions are good sometimes those opinions are not so good and as you share your opinions about something you can hurt somebody else especially if it's about a secondary issue now, I don't think we should shy away from speaking the truth of God's word or what's right or wrong those kind of things need to be said but you say them in love but be careful in your speech be careful in what you do uh, around other people so that you don't lead them into a tempting situation. Um, temptation can destroy. What if somebody sees you in a certain place? Well, you say there's nothing sinful about going to that particular place. That may be so. Maybe you invite somebody in the church to go with you to a restaurant and you, you realize, hey, this person... You used to be an, be an alcoholic. They used to be a drunkard. They're going to be tempted if I take them to this place. And you, and you just say, well, everybody does it. Let's just go. 
And say that person smells that liquor, sees that liquor, is tempted by that liquor. You leave the restaurant, later he comes back. Guess what? He's sinning because of the influence you've had in his life. So in other words, be aware of things around you and of how they might affect a brother or a sister in Christ. Because guess what? When you get saved, your sin nature doesn't leave. You still got it till Jesus comes. Praise God, one day we'll be rid of it. But right now, we have to deal with this old sin nature. Be aware of others around you. Be considerate of areas where they might stumble. And especially if you know of an area of weakness, make sure you don't contribute to somebody's temptation. And be considerate in that way. Temptation can destroy. Uh, so, uh, he says, I want, I want you to understand their conscience is important. Look at verse 12. When you sin like this against the brothers and wound their weak conscience, you're sinning against Christ. So, wounding a weak conscience. Well, you shouldn't be bothered by that. Why are you bothered by that? There's nothing wrong with that. You ever heard somebody say that to somebody else? Listen, my friend, if somebody is bothered in their conscience by something, do not talk them out of it. Let God grow them. If, if they're disturbed by something they shouldn't be disturbed about, guess what? God can help them through that. God can help them to, to grow past that. But understand that that person, if they are violating their conscience, they're sinning against God. We're each responsible. And yes, we have freedom as Christians. There's, there are certain things we have freedom to do. The Bible doesn't necessarily say one way or the other about it. You and I have freedom to do it or not to do it. But somebody who is struggling with that and has a weak conscience over that, don't talk them into doing something that God doesn't want them to do. Why? Because guess what? If, if you sin in one area of your life, you open the door for Satan to come in in other areas of your life. Have you ever noticed maybe there's a, an area, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it's an attitude, a sinful attitude. Maybe it's a, a bitterness in your heart towards someone else. But you're, you hold that, that sin that you consider to be a small thing in your life. And what you find is that it ruins your fellowship with God. It opens up your life to the attack of the enemy in different ways, and you end up seeing yourself going down some paths you didn't want to go down. Why? Because there's one area of your life that you violated your conscience. Don't uh, be a party to that in someone else's life. Be considerate of them. And so uh, that's the first reason that it's important to be considerate. Temptation can destroy. Secondly, unmet needs can, dis can discourage. Unmet needs can discourage. Look at chapter 9 and verse 4. Don't we have the right to eat and drink? Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a Christian wife? He quotes him in Old Testament scripture, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain. He says, if we've sown spiritual things, is it too much if we reap a material benefit from you? So, what is Paul talking about? He's, he's talking about the fact that as a, as a preacher of the gospel, uh, it is biblical for him to receive a salary for preaching the gospel. It is also perfectly appropriate. By the way, this is why enforced celibacy in the ministry is wrong. Not even the apostles followed that. Peter, Cephas, had a wife. The other apostles had a wife. The brother, apparently James, the brother of Jesus, had a wife. The pastor 
of the Jerusalem church. So he says, we have a right to these things. He says, what have I done? He says, I've set aside these rights for the sake of the gospel, but he says, I still have these rights. Why? Is he bitter? Is that why he's bringing this up? No. He's trying to be an example to them. He's trying to show them, look, if I've given up these rights, why won't you give up your rights? You've got freedom to do these things. Why don't you give them up? Now, unmet needs can discourage. Uh, it's important to be considerate of the needs of other people. I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, the Levites were to receive a portion of the offerings the people brought um, to the temple. And, and what happened was when the Israelites turned away from God, guess what they stopped doing? They stopped coming to the temple. Guess what they stopped doing? They stopped offering sacrifices. What did that mean for the priests? We ain't got nothing to eat. <laughs> and so they had to go out and get a job. Well, you got all the Levites and all the priests. They're going out. They've got these secular jobs. They have no time for the ministry. The temple of God falls into disrepair. The word of God is not being preached. The, the people descend as a nation into spiritual darkness. The Levites were discouraged in their work because of unmet needs. Now, you guys do a good job for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring this up. You know, I'm preaching a series, okay? So the preacher's trying to get more money. No, I'm not, okay? Uh, but... <clears throat> All I'm saying is we need to be considerate of the needs of others. And I'm not just talking about the, the needs of a church staff. I'm talking about the needs of the body. Unmet needs can discourage. You know, there's some folks who have to worry about things that you and I might be able to help them with. Maybe they don't have food. Praise God. We've got a food pantry. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I, I thank God for the people that work in our food pantry. Uh, the, the work that they do, it's an important ministry. And people can shift their worry from, do I have something to eat, to how can I serve Jesus? Um, maybe it's in providing some clothing. could be used clothing that you have, but, but say, hey, you know, my kids have outgrown this, here's something. Uh, but you're thinking of others' needs. And as you meet these needs, as you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, because none of us can meet every need, amen? As you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in meeting needs, what does God do? He uses that as an encouragement in the lives of other people and frees them up to do what God has called them to do. There might be somebody who goes out and gets a second job. Nothing wrong, by the way, with getting a second job. But might have to do that and, and might have to miss coming to the house of God, or serving in the church of God because of an unmet need that we can meet. And so, um, none of us can meet all needs, but you need to be open to, to the leadership of God in your life to meet needs of others because unmet needs can discourage. Be considerate of others around you. Now, it may be an emotional need. It may have nothing to do with money. It may be somebody is so distracted, maybe they are just down and out in their life, and they just need some encouragement. And you go to that person, and you listen to that person, and maybe you share a scripture, maybe you pray with that person, uh, maybe you take them out to lunch, but you do some things to encourage that person, and you help them uh, in their walk with God. Guess what? You have just met a need so that that person can now serve God in the way they were intended to serve God. And they're being distracted by the enemy. 
That's what church is supposed to be about. Some people say, well, I can worship God on the golf course. Well, you can't have fellowship on the golf course if you're there by yourself. You need God's people. And so, um, as you think about these emotional needs, maybe there's a spiritual need. Maybe it's teaching a class. Maybe God's been touching somebody's heart. You know, hey, you, you need to use the spiritual gift that you have. And there's some people in need. And, and maybe God laid this on your heart. There's a spiritual need that needs to be met. And there may be some, some people in our church that won't reach their potential until you exercise your spiritual gift. Unmet needs can discourage what would happen if every person in the body of Christ fulfilled the role that they were called to fulfill? Wouldn't that be exciting? What could God do in this place, in our city, in our area, around the world, as people say yes to Jesus? Unmet needs can discourage. It's important to be considerate. Why? Because temptation can destroy. Secondly, unmet needs can, be, can discourage. Thirdly, selfishness can hinder. Look at verse 12 if, uh, of chapter 9. If, if others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? However, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. How unselfish. Paul said, rather than experiencing the joys of family life, I have such a, a passion for the gospel. I don't want to hinder people being saved. I don't want to hinder the work of God uh, through my life and service to God's church to the distraction of a family. I don't want to hinder uh, God's work in the church by people questioning my motives about money. So I am doing what it takes to see the gospel go forward. He was unselfish. I think you do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us can do that without God's help, right? We need supernatural help with that. But when you are filled with the Spirit, guess what the Bible says? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And it's God's kind of love that puts others first. Selfishness can hinder. What's in it for me? You ever heard anybody say that? Uh, we can say that about a lot of things. Maybe it's a business deal. Maybe it's a, a job opportunity. What's in it for me? Uh, a lot of times people say that about church. What's in it for me? What are you going to do for me? And it's all about them. Do you sing the music I like? Do you talk about the scripture passages that I like? Do you do the ministries in the church that I need? And it's I, 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 I. It's a small wonder that people hop from church to church. You know what Jesus said? It is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, one of the things I've found is as you say yes to God in service, in doing what he's calling you to do, you'll find that God will begin to minister to you through your service. As you minister to others, you'll be blessed. Uh, my great-grandmother used to tell my mom, if you're ever discouraged, go do something good for somebody else. It'll encourage you. She had, she had found a biblical truth. So many people live a selfish life, a life that is focused on themselves, and they're not happy. People with a lot of money, 
aren't happy sometimes. Because, why? They're all about themselves. And they found that life is empty. And what they find is, if they come to Jesus Christ, they put their faith and trust in Him, He saves their soul, they begin to live for others. There's a difference, there's a new meaning that comes into life, a new sense of purpose that comes into life because of it. Um, selfishness can hinder when you live life for yourself. Listen, I want to tell you something. You ought to come to church for what you get out of it, in one sense, because you need it. You need to be fed the Word of God. You need the fellowship of God's people. Um, you need others to minister to you, and that's an important thing, and it shouldn't be denied. Come for those reasons, but don't just come for those reasons. Come also for what you can do for others. God's, if you're a child of God, God has given every person in this room a spiritual gift. Probably more than one. Use your gifts to build up other people. And think about it. maybe Maybe your gift is in a gift of speaking. Uh, to encourage other people. Encourage them. Maybe your gift is to come alongside the bedside of somebody who's on a sick bed and, and to encourage. You have the gift of mercy. Um, <clears throat> maybe your gift is leadership. You, boy, you can just whip people together and get them uh, organized and, and headed in a certain direction. Use that gift. And see, as you become unselfish in the giving of yourself or the giving of your time or the giving of your money, as God leads you, what God will do is he will take your life and he will bless other people through you. This church will be strengthened. The ministry of this church will be strengthened. And, and we'll do more for Jesus Christ because you are important. You know how I know that? Because Paul said, he used the, the illustration of body. He said, the hand can't say, I don't need the eye. The eye can't say, I don't need the foot. Every part of the body is important. I want to tell you something. David got stung with a stingray in the foot this week on vacation. And uh, we were, he was in serious pain with it. I'm not going to get into the details of it. But when he was stung with that stingray, he was focused on that foot. I'm going to tell you something. He was, he was making loud sounds and he was groaning and he was in, he was in pain. Everything else was forgotten because of that one member that was injured. How is the church of God hindered because of one member? Could it be that your obedience would be the spark that brings this church into revival? Could it be that you saying yes to Jesus means the difference between somebody coming to Christ and somebody not coming to Christ? Could it be that your word of encouragement makes the difference between somebody continuing to serve God and continuing to do the things of God or dropping out? Listen, it is so significant. Selfishness can hinder. Ask God to give you a heart of love to give to others as God leads you. Financially, if he leads you, or emotionally, spiritually, however but be available to God. So, importance of being considerate. First of all, temptation can destroy, unmet needs can discourage, selfishness can hinder, and finally, serving can help. Serving can help. Look at verse 19. Although I am a free man, what's he mean? In other words, I'm in Christ's freedom. I've been set free uh, from the law. I've been set free from my sin. I've been set free from the power of sin. 
to serve Jesus Christ. I'm free to make choices in my life. But what does he say? Although I am a free man and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, look, I'm choosing to serve. Now he's kind of shifted into an evangelistic focus here, but he's saying, I'm identifying with people. You know, sometimes as Christians we can get kind of cut off from the world, can't we? They say the average Christian, when they come to faith in Christ after, I think it's 10 years, doesn't have one ongoing lost friend. And we get cut off and we get isolated from the world. And, and what happens? We, be, we cease to identify with them. We need to make a conscious effort to identify with people and their needs and their hurts and their concerns as, as lost people. Why? Because as we show them love, God can use that love to open their hearts to Jesus. Um, Paul says, I, hey, I, I go to the Jews, I go to those under the law, I go to those who aren't under the law, all these different, the weak, the strong, whoever. I, I try to identify with them. And, and that weak idea, he's probably talking about people in the church in that case, but he says it doesn't matter. Whoever it is, I am trying to identify with them and show love for them. Why? So that I can reach them for Jesus Christ. I make myself a slave for all. So that by all possible means, I might save some. Of course, God saves them, but we're a part of that as his instrument. And so, um, he says, I do, verse 23, now I do all this because of the gospel, so I may become a partner in its benefits. A partner of it. You can also translate it. The idea is you're a partner in reaching people for Jesus Christ with the Lord. Isn't that a great thing? We get to work with him. But we're also a partner in receiving the blessing. I want to tell you something. If you've never led somebody to Christ, that is a great blessing. And when you experience that and you you see a person that has been saved and you know that God has used you as a part of that, it is an incredibly great blessing that you get to partake in. And when you have that heart of service and identifying with people and loving people and telling them the truth. By the way, that is a characteristic of love is to tell people the truth, regardless of what our culture says. But you reach out to them, God uses you in their life, and guess what? You end up receiving a blessing from it. Um, That's what friendship is about, isn't it? When you have a friendship with somebody, what do you do? You... Help that person. And guess what? Oftentimes, they respond in kind. They help you. And there's this, there's this mutuality there in that friendship. And good friendships are based on both parties loving each other. Same thing with marriage, right? You love each other. You're laying yourself down for each other. Guess what? There's blessings that come with that relationship. You have kids. I uh, got to meet uh, Jessica's baby. I was real excited about that. Isn't that neat? Um, glad to have them here today. But <clears throat> I talk about putting, it, putting energy out. I remember when we had Megan. 
our first baby. Talk about our world being rocked. We used to sleep till 9 and 10 a.m. on the weekends. Now we were lucky to get three hours. <laughs> you know, she, waking up every, every hour and a half, it seemed like at first. And uh, made the discovery of rice cereal. Thank you, Lord. Uh, anyway, you invest into your children, right? You discipline them. You uh, give money in, to their lives and all these things. And as you serve the, your children, guess what? You receive a blessing. That's what he's talking about. You become a partner in ministry. When you serve the people of God, there's going to be something that comes back to you. Um, it may be, sometimes that won't come back from the person that you serve. I probably need to put that in there. Sometimes people will take you for granted. Sometimes they will not respond to you in kind. Sometimes they may even treat you negatively. But you'll be rewarded. And I want to tell you something. You cannot outgive God. As you serve God, there'll be a blessing for you. Um, there's a blessing in walking closer to the Lord. What did Jesus say? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. Lord, when did, when did this happen? Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. You see, Jesus will respond to your service every time. You'll receive blessings here, but those aren't the best ones. Those are just the temporary blessings. You receive the blessing when Jesus comes. I'm going to tell you something. Nothing's going to be able to take your joy when you see him. I don't think anybody will ever regret serving Christ. My dad used to have a plaque that hung in his office that said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So important. Serving can help. The importance of being considerate. Consider others' needs. Follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in ministering to the needs that he leads you to minister to. And you will be used of God. The importance of being considerate. Temptation can destroy. Unmet needs can discourage. Selfishness can hinder. And serving can help. Are you willing to be considerate of the needs of other people in the body of Christ? If you are, God will use you. And you will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. <clears throat> help us to be considerate of the needs of others, Father. And uh, those who are in this church body, those who are outside this church who are lost, uh, some who are in this church who are lost, God, but whoever it is, Lord, help us to be considerate.